Well, good morning. Good morning for those of you who are joining us uh, online. So glad that you are here with us today. What a wonderful opportunity we have together as a church to worship God, to hear his word, be encouraged, and be a family this morning. So glad that we get to come together. We're in a series called Comeback Season. This is the final week of that series. We've tackled a couple different issues about, you know, our spiritual weakness um, we've tackled issues around a financial setback, relational setback, some other things. And today, we're going to be talking about when we're set back from our own thoughts. I don't know if you've ever been set back from your thoughts. Where you get on that merry-go-round of self-negative talk or destructive thinking. And I believe that when life deals us setbacks, God turns those setbacks into comebacks. And the same goes for our mental and emotional health. Now, we live in a very unpredictable time, wouldn't you agree? And our mental, emotional, and spiritual uh, health has been under attack, and it has borne some of the, 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 the dealings of COVID that have been very negative. Loneliness is very real throughout this season of COVID. Fear is very real throughout the season of COVID. And loss has been very real in a variety of ways. Now, the CDC has done plenty of studies, also Stanford, Harvard, other large institutions around mental and emotional health, the effects of COVID on that throughout our season. The CDC finished, concluded one of their, their studies in August, and it reported that 41% of Americans said that they had neg- or COVID had negatively affected their mental health, and they had experienced some form of, mental he- uh, some form of a mental health condition. That's almost half of every American says that COVID has negatively affected their mental or emotional health. Now, out of that 41%, 31% said that it was anxiety or depression. 13% said that they started or increased in substance abuse. 26% said they experienced some level of trauma-related symptom. And 11% out of the 41% said they had seriously considered suicide. Those are staggering numbers. And for many of us, we go through life, like many Americans probably within this own study, and you go through life as if everything is normal and fine. I don't know if that's where you've been throughout COVID or if you can see yourself in a different part of your life where maybe you've lived that story as well. Where every day you say, I'm great, I'm good, but on the inside, you're damaged, you're wrecked, you're lonely, you're depressed, you're anxious. And I believe that when we get on that merry-go-round in our own minds of destructive thinking and patterns, we suffer. Ultimately, we're the ones who suffer from that. And it sets us back in our relationships. It sets us back in our spiritual life. It sets us back in our professional life. It sets us back as a student. It sets us back as a parent, a wife, a husband, a friend, whatever you want to say. It sets us back from that. Anxiety, fear, depression, substance abuse, and even death are things, thoughts of death are even are things that we experience as a collective group. But I fully believe that if that's you this morning, if you identify with something in there, 
I believe that God has something for you this morning. He wants to bring you hope. And he can turn even the greatest setback into a comeback for you. So today we're going to look at a prophet from the Old Testament where he struggled just like we see here in America today. And we can learn from it. This is the prophet Elijah. And he was a prophet over Israel. And at the time, King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel, they were this evil king and queen that ruled over Israel. They had turned Israel from following God into worshiping pagan gods, Baal and others. And Elijah does these amazing, mighty acts to show who the God of Israel is to the nation um, and to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. He causes a drought for years. He does all these other things. And he finally gets so fed up with the duplicity of Israel. And he confronts King Ahab. He meets him on top of Mount Carmel. And he's like, proved if your God, Baal, or my God is greater. And he sends a fireball down from heaven. It blows up. And it's really awesome. And all the people witness and see that the God of Israel is the one and true God. And Ahab, he gets to the bottom of this mountain, and he tells his wife, Queen Jezebel, what just happened, and she wasn't happy about it at all. So she sends Elijah this death threat, says that she's going to kill him. So Elijah gets this death threat from her messenger, and he is afraid, and he runs. And the mighty prophet, the one who confronted the king, who had this prophet showdown on top of Mount Carmel, sent a fireball down from heaven. This courageous prophet, he runs away. And now he's running away from the very place that God positioned him. This story is in 1 Kings 19. Let's read starting in verse 1. King Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And now he ordered the death of all uh, of her false prophets of Baal. So the queen sent this threat to Elijah. May my God strike me dead if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. He left his servant in the town Beersheba, and he walked for a full day into the desert. Finally, he came to a broom tree, and he collapsed under the shade. There he prayed that he might die. He said, God, I have had enough. Take my life. Just let me die, for I am no better than my ancestors. Exhausted. He fell asleep under the broom tree. Elijah runs to this little broom tree, exhausted. And he starts crying out to God that he's afraid. And he says, I'm broken. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm no better than the people who came before me. Meaning that, you know what? They died and didn't get a lot accomplished and so should I. He was afraid of failing like other people. And he felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. That I'm the only man in all of Israel who cares about you. And then he falls asleep, exhausted, collapsed under this broom tree. Have you ever felt that before? Like you feel like the weight of the world rests on your shoulders. The weight of your family rests on your shoulders. The weight of your business the weight of life, whatever it may be, it just rests on you and you're the only one. And if you don't accomplish it, you're just like everyone else who failed. I love how we can relate to people in the Bible. There's this illusion that people in the Bible or people today who walk with God don't struggle. That 
are not broken. They don't burn out. They don't suffer emotionally or mentally or spiritually. And this isn't true. Because the people we see in the Bible who walk closely with God suffer from the very things that we do. Now we're going to look at how God treated Elijah during this difficult time. And I love this story because God doesn't beat Elijah up and like, you know, uh, anything like that. But he, he speaks to him. He nourishes him. He chases him down. And so Elijah falls asleep, collapsed into this tree. And then in 1 Kings verse 5, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over his coals or hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank. Then he lied down again, fell back asleep. Now here's what we see is that even the strongest of human courage is a limited resource. Is it not? That even the strongest man of God, Elijah, at this time, his courage is a limited resource. And for us, we go through difficult times and seasons, and even the most courageous people, that courage is always limited. There always will come a time when you've just had enough. And we've been in this season of COVID for a while with no real end in sight. And I don't think that in this story that Elijah was afraid that Jezebel would have or could have killed him. He had already proved that he was the far superior prophet and that God was on his side. He literally just sent a huge fireball down from heaven. I believe that what Elijah was afraid of and what he was doing was he was afraid of having to face another battle because he was tired of all the battles that he was already facing. He was tired of, he's been fighting and he's been pleading and he's been going up against Jezebel and Ahab and the other people over and over and over again. And he was tired and afraid of doing it another day. It was the fear of living life that the condition that you're in keeps you from going. I don't want to keep living the life that I'm living. It has to change. He's exhausted from life. And maybe you feel this way too, where you feel exhausted from life. You have mental anguish, emotional pain, depression, anxiety, all those things. We have all dealt with pain, loss, and brokenness during COVID. Maybe you've lost your business or your job. And your mind is reeling about how you might provide for yourself or your family, what others might think about you. Maybe, you know, this last year was your senior year in high school or college. And the way that you thought it was going to be, it didn't turn out that way. And this one moment in life that was about you will never come back again. Maybe you've experienced loss of a loved one during COVID, whether it was related or unrelated to COVID. But the implications of COVID are very real. You may not have been able to be there, or at least in the way that you wanted to be there during this time of loss. All of this leads to mental and emotional distress of, like Elijah, I can't just keep living this life the way that I'm living it. The I've been fighting battles. There's more battles. I don't want to keep fighting battles. And as we wake up and enter into that space day in and day out, we become emotionally and mentally distressed and exhausted. The thoughts that plague your mind 
will lead to emotional burnout. A lot like Elijah, you just don't want to keep living your current circumstances. Have you felt that way? I just don't want to keep living my current circumstances. So, like Elijah, he ran, and he was emotionally burnt. Now, for my family, the last six months or nine months or however long it's been, now I'm like losing track of time, right? It used to be like, oh, we've been in it 14 days to curve the thing or whatever. Now it's like months or whatever. It's been difficult for us. You know, we've had to cancel vacations like many of you. We had kids that weren't able to finish the school year that they thought they were going to be able to finish last year. And now dealing with a whole new way of education. My wife and I went back to college years ago to not only better ourselves, but also to show our kids that we wanted them to see that we would graduate college. And we had a, a, uh, we graduated, both of us graduated and had a, our uh, commencement through Whitworth that got postponed Three times? I don't know what it was. But anyways, it ended up getting canceled. And we had family coming into town. This was a moment that we wanted our kids to see that mom and dad graduate college and you can do it too. And that was a huge letdown. We didn't have family come in, all these other things. And then there's the daily effects of COVID that just add on to things that just bring things down. And then my wife got a call that you never want to get a few weeks ago, that her brother had committed suicide. And the pain and devastation doesn't just hurt, but it leaves you feeling shattered, empty, desperate for a different reality. It leaves you feeling like in that moment, that it's like, where's God at all? How could God even be a part of this? And it leaves you emotionally weak, spiritually drained, mentally fatigued. And through that, you still have to get up the very next day and continue living life for your kids, for your family, for people around you. And it's hard. It's difficult. And it's hard that in the moment, it's hard to see God at all. But I know that God is still working and that his grace is for us and that redemption is, is to be had in even the worst of situations. So enough about me, but take an honest evaluation of where you're at today. How is your emotional, mental health in this moment? How do you even know when your emotional tank is empty? Here's what Rick Warren says. He has 10 ways. So here's the 10 ways. One, it's fear creeps into your life. We see that with Elijah. He was afraid, wasn't he? Two, that you find yourself running away from things. We saw Elijah ran away from where God had him positioned. Three, you start backing out of relationships. We saw Elijah, he left his servant in the town of Beersheba. Four, I make foolish decisions impulsively. Where we see Elijah, this was true for him, he walked a full day into the desert. That was dumb. Where you push yourself past your physical limits. Elijah collapsed under the tree. My work seems pointless, having thoughts or feelings like that. This is where Elijah, we'll see in a moment here, where he says, I've worked so hard, but it 
hasn't seen the results or change for it. I complain that I, that I want to quit and give up. This is where Elijah's like, God, I have had enough. I feel isolated and attacked. I'm the only one left, and they're all trying to kill me too. We'll see Elijah say that in a moment here. I compare myself to others and feel bad about myself. This is where Elijah's like, for I'm no better than the people who came before me. And lastly, I think death might bring relief. Those are the 10 ways that you might identify with. Those 10 things show if you're emotionally empty and broken and fatigued. Now on that last one, where you, those who might feel like death might bring relief, I just want you to know that you are loved. You're dearly loved, that God loves you very much, that I love you. And that even when life hurts really bad, God still heals. And that taking your own life, it is a permanent solution for a temporary problem. And that it doesn't have to be that way. That as life hurts, God will bring healing and God is still working in your life. And that there's a church for you, there are people for you, and there are those who still love you and wanna see the best for you. Now, Elijah was afraid and he was running, yet God, he cooks him this food and he wakes him up and he said, eat. And he said, the journey's too tough for you and he wakes him up a second time. And here's where we see the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. He strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now the mountain of God sounds like, oh yeah, that's where Elijah should be right now. That sounds great. But that was 200 miles in the wrong direction. And what we see is the other people who lived after Jezebel, all these other prophets, they went and hid inside of caves because they were fearing for their life. Elijah had left the life that was called for him to live. Elijah had ran 200 miles before this story is over. Now, if you're broken and you're empty and you're burnt, there's, it feels weighty, all right? And you've fought many battles already. We have fought battles through COVID and you don't know what to do. Here is how God provided for Elijah, chased Elijah down, spoke to his heart, encouraged him in this time of emotional pain. This is how we see Elijah's setback turn into a comeback, and the same can be for you as well. Here's the things that we see take place. One is that God nourishes Elijah. He says, get up and eat. And for us, if we're gonna make a comeback, it means getting up and eating. Sometimes when you're just down and, you, and you're emotionally, mentally fatigued, it just means you just gotta get up and nourish yourself. And literally, physically, take in, be mindful of your body. But also, we receive power by filling up on God's promises daily. The Bible says the word of God is food and nourishment to our soul. When you're not consuming God's words, you're not receiving his power. This is why we, we be, believe that the PB&J card is so important and the devotionals that are on our website, they're so important because you, we receive power and we, when we get up and we eat, those are the things that nourish us. 
It's not that, that, you know, when we feel afraid and we're hurting, that God just takes your fear away because oftentimes that doesn't happen. God just doesn't take things away from you. He doesn't just take anxiety away. He doesn't just take your depression away a lot of times. But it does mean that when we're not reading the word and we're not getting his power, we're not feeding the faith that you have. Because you, we all have faith that can overcome the fear in our circumstances. And when your faith is malnourished, and when your faith is, is feeling those hunger pains, fear is the byproduct of that. When our faith isn't strong, fear takes its place instead. So your soul aches, you feel powerless, and thus fear and anxiety and depression, all those things will be right in your face. But we have no excuses because... Unlike they had thousands of years ago, we have the Bible on our nightstand on our phone that you can wake up in the middle of the night, in the morning, or before you go to bed and read it. God has placed it there, and he says, take in my promises. Feed your faith. It's not because God has not given you courage. It's just because you have not fed it. God says, I'm cooking you food like Elijah. I'm cooking you the food right here. All you have to do is get up and eat it. Now, we also need rest. We see here that Elijah rested. God wants us to reset and recharge. You know the verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures? God wants you to have rest for your body. We need physical rest too when we're in a place of depletion. As we read on. There he went into the cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You see the, the, the thoughts of hopelessness. It's all up to me. There's no one else out there. It's all on my shoulders. You, you hear those thoughts? And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So the second thing is not get up and eat, and also get out of the cave. There Elijah went into the cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here? Now that's a very interesting phrase, because depending on how you interpret it, it could mean something different and have different applications to it. Take that phrase and put an emphasis on different words, like let's say, what. What are you doing here? What is the purpose of you being in this cave? What is this going to solve? What is this going to accomplish? God says that to us when we're up late at night sometimes too, and our brains are reeling. What are you doing awake right now? What is this going to solve? What is this accomplishing? Not only do you, you get to face the day tomorrow exhausted, but you have to face it with all these new uh, thoughts and fears in your mind. Put a, how about let's place the emphasis on the word you. What are you doing here, Elijah? Uh, think of God saying that like, Mr. Elijah, the man of God turned into a cave dweller. You are the man of God that I have called to speak to these people. Why are you running from Jezebel? Why are you doing these things? Now, the cave can represent a lot of things. It can represent the safety 
of the, uh, the little life that you created that doesn't require God. It, it can represent the bitterness that you, that you feed yourself in. It can represent loneliness or the anxiety or depression that you have. It can represent a lot. But when you're inside of the cave, you can't see God when you're locked into darkness. You're removed from where he has positioned you which he's positioned you around people and outside of the cave. He's positioned you in his presence. So God calls us just like he calls Elijah. Go out of the cave and stand there because the presence of the Lord is about to pass by. You can't see God in the cave. Come out because I want to speak to you. This is God talking to Elijah. And this is where we see him chasing, God has chased him down from Mount Carmel all the way into the desert to the broom tree, all the way over to Horeb into the mountain of God. God has chased Elijah down. And maybe you know the Bible verse that says Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. And that if you're feeling in that place where you have ran from life, you've ran from relationship, you're feeling emotionally distraught, you're feeling all alone and locked in the cave, I want, you, I want you to know that God has chased you down to this moment right here. That he doesn't leave you alone and saying he's just waiting for you to come back. He's been with you every step of the way. And even all the way into the cave, God will meet you there. God will come after you in your weakest of moments. And God wants you to release your frustrations to him. We see God say, what are you doing? Talk to me. God never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. He's trying to get Elijah out of the cave, and he's trying to get Elijah to actually talk to him. What are you doing here? And then we see Elijah say, I'm the only one left, I'm this, I'm that. He wants you to release your frustrations to him because God can handle your pain. God is there for you. And yes, sometimes we do need ongoing assistance to help us deal with that pain from, from you know, doctors or counselors or other people that can maybe provide medication or other things, whatever you might need. And if that's you, you need to seek help. But God wants you to release that frustration onto him. And then in verse 11, Then a great power wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. He came out of the cave. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God gave Elijah the sign that Elijah probably wanted, which was the big power and the shaking of the mountains and the fire. But God wasn't a part of that in that moment. What God wanted Elijah to see was it's not just the big power and the mighty acts of God, but God wanted Elijah to understand something more. That Elijah had seen the results of God's power, yes, the fireballs from heaven and other things. Elijah knew God's power. He had already experienced it, and he wanted Elijah to know that even in this moment that I am close. Why does God whisper? Because he's close. He's near. He's right there. What are you doing here? Because the devil will shout lies 
but God whispers truth. He's not going to overpower your fears by shouting louder. He overpowers them by calling us closer, calling us closer to him. So get out of the cave. In the cave, fear grows. In the cave, loneliness grows. In the cave, anxiety and depression fester. In the cave, bitterness begins to boil. In the cave, we become ignorant to the actual reality of what's happening around us. And if the devil can keep us ignorant inside of the cave, he can keep you in the dark and he can shout at you and you'll keep running for your life. But if you come out and you stand at the mouth like Elijah, the presence of God will pass by and is close and is near. Get out of the cave. Now, this is an Old Testament story. God doesn't exactly pass by like that anymore, but the presence of God is in you. When you've said yes to him, his presence is in you and right there. And he'll say, what are you doing here? Let me help you. The last thing is that we need to listen for God. We see Elijah in that moment. He's close. He's near. He's hearing the small whisperings of God's voice. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, and Abel uh, to succeed you as prophet. You see, even here, Elijah was wrong all along. Inside the cave, he thought that it was one way, and it wasn't. There were other people of God that, that was out there. And then he says, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve... 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and those mouths have not kissed him. He's saying, there are others there. You were wrong all along inside the cave. Get back to work. Because not only when you were inside this cave, I didn't just leave you there. I chased you down. I provided nourishment for you. But I've also still been working. Even when you're here, I've been working in the background. I've been working behind the scenes in your situation, in your relationship. Get back in the direction to where God has called you. Get back to work. So what keeps us from getting back? More importantly, it's recognizing where you're at. Under the tree, you need to feed your faith. Do you need to take a step out of the cave? Make the decision to get back and engaged in life. It starts now. Where are you at? God wants to turn this setback into a comeback. Even though maybe you've been running or emotionally, mentally exhausted, God doesn't just stand there and wait for you to come back. He comes along the journey with you because he's faithful and he says, I'm ready. What are you doing? Let's go back. Now I want to end on this Bible verse. It's a, another prophet named Jeremiah. And he wrote in the book of Lamentations, this verse, and allow this to sink in because I believe that there's something, those of you who are experiencing emotional and mental distress, pain, God wants to turn that into a comeback for you. You can come back stronger, more courageous, and more faith-filled. If you get up and eat and you take in the nourishment, you step out of the cave, 
And you hear God's voice and you listen to him. This is Jeremiah saying, and it's, this isn't going to be on the screen, so I want you to pay really close attention so you hear all the words. I mean, even if you want to close your eyes here for a moment, you can. Just thinking of my trouble and my wandering fills me with sadness and bitterness. That's all I ever think about, and I am depressed. But then I remember something that fills me with hope. The Lord's steadfast love never ends. His unfailing mercy keeps me from being wiped out. Because of his great faithfulness, each new day, he is always kind to me. So deep in my heart, I say, I say to myself, the Lord is all I need. He is my real hope. And today, if that's you, God is your real hope. Christ is your real hope. Each new day, deep in your soul and in your spirit, you can wake up and say, I don't know what today brings me, but God is my real hope. And there I'll find his love, his nourishment, his grace, and I'll have courage to face the day. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Those of us right now who might be emotionally, mentally fatigued, God, we pray that these words might sink deep in our hearts and our souls. Those of us who need you right now, God, we pray that you draw close like you did to Elijah, that you draw close where we might hear this, the whisper of your voice. Would you fill us with nourishment God, we need you. As we look forward, we know that you are our real hope. And we rest on that. We believe that. We take hold of that. And we live in light of it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to worship now. And at this time, we are also going to receive our tithes and offerings. So if you're new here, don't feel pressure to give. Those of you who are online and you're watching, feel free to pull your phone out right now or your laptop out. Uh, part of our worship is also our giving. That when we give, it is an act of worship to God. So if you're here in the room, although we don't pass the baskets anymore due to you know, COVID and other things like that, uh, there are other ways that we can participate in uh, tithes and offerings. And so as we worship, we're gonna worship in song and with our giving now. This life and all my plans. 
Trust that you will know where my feet should go, and I'll never have to second guess the word you spoke. And if I've lost your path and strayed from what you've said, I'm surrendered on the
Thank you so much for joining us, our online campus. If you need prayer, please click the prayer button. One of the pastors online will be happy to pray with you. If you'd like to connect, click the connect button. That'd be great. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we really do hope you join us next week.